0: Uh, We've been in a little series called In Transit, talking about uh, the the Hebrew people, talking about Israel and the transitions that they dealt with uh, as a culture, and they dealt with so many as they left Egypt, uh, Egyptian slavery, and we know that if you know a lot about their story, there's many moments they got it, uh, just as we do, and then they had moments where they just, they blew it. You know, and they just didn't trust God, and they began to do things uh, on their own. There was I had a seminary professor that that shared uh, one time that it took one night to get Israel out of Egypt, and it took almost forty years uh, to get Egypt out of Israel. And what he's saying by that is they just they kept wanting to go back. They could, they didn't want to trust. And they just kept wanting to to go back. What was to what was similar to what they knew to what they felt comfortable with. And our goal throughout this series has been this, is it's inevitable that every single one of us are going to face transitions in our life. Some of them are big. You know the big ones. Moving, new jobs, something in the family. And some of them are small, and we don't tell anybody. But they still, they tug at us. And they're real. And one of the things that we are going through as a church is a transition. You have a new guy up here preaching to you. Each, each week, and as we go through transitions as individuals and as a church, our goal throughout this entire series through Exodus, and way past this series, is how do we keep our eyes fixed on God in the midst of transitions? Because it's not a matter of if, but when they come, and transitions can be challenging. Transitions can be tough. There can be moments where uh, you want to throw in the towel, you know, and then there can also be moments in transitions where you're like, God, thank you so much for the way you are moving in this situation. And the reason why we wanted to start going looking at the Hebrew people is because they are in the midst of a pivotal transition. And we're going to look at that in Exodus 20 today, and you're going to think, well, Exodus 20, that's the Ten Commandments chapter. We're actually not going to spend a ton of time on the Ten Commandments, but the little passage that we don't really study right after the Ten Commandments is what we're going to look at and see what it looked like for them in the midst of this pivotal transition uh, in their history. And they faced a lot of them. They just got out of Egyptian slavery. They found brand new freedoms in their life. Uh, they're, They're beginning to figure out as a society, how are we going to run? How are we going to carry forward? But they find themselves in an area called the Sinai, the Sinai Desert, with none of the resources that they had when they were back in Egypt. They're beginning to find out, we've got to get some food. Uh, we've got to find some, some shelter. We've got to be able to get, you know, to get water. How are we going to clothe ourselves? Because while they were in Egyptian slavery, although they were, they still were provided each one of those things in the midst of slavery in Egypt for all of those years. And now that they're free, they've got to figure out a whole lot of things. And one big one, one glaring one, is how are we going to function as a society? We have new freedoms, and life is now different. It's like the college kid going off to college, right? And they get off to college, and they're like, wow, mom and dad's not here anymore, and I have to figure out a new way to survive, you know, and a new way to do life. Well, they were in this place a little bit. They're finding a new way of life. And as they move forward, we know by reading Exodus 20, they began to uh, have values instilled in their lives. They began to have rules and, and, and commandments and even laws that were brought their way. And that would begin to define how they would move forward as a people. And so as God is starting out with them, you read through Exodus 20, and many of you have maybe studied the Ten Commandments very closely. actually just went through a series a while back in in the Ten Commandments. Uh, But he gave them the Ten Commandments, a starting point, a foundation for how are we going to move forward as a group of people. We're not going to study them closely today, but you know if you read through the first five, they're all about this vertical relationship. How are we going to honor God? How are we going to put him first? There's going to be no other things before him. And then we read the final five, and he begins to talk about how we're going to relate with each other, how we're going to treat each other, how we're going to handle uh, situations with each other. And if you read through many of the laws of Moses following that, they all point back, they begin to create laws to answer uh, questions that they have about the Ten Commandments, you know? How are we going to atone for sins? How are we going to handle this when problems come up in our lives? How are we going to actually live out? the Ten Commandments, and they surrounded it with more rules than you could ever imagine, than you could ever keep up with. It's like the government list of rules, just a book this big, you know. And that's where they found themselves. But it was the foundation for who they were as a people as they transitioned past the Ten Commandments. And God lets Moses know, not only am I going to give you these Ten Commandments, but I'm going to be your guide and I'm going to be your leader forward. The last three weeks, two weeks, we've talked about what he's trying to do is to get this group of people, to get Moses as their leader, to trust in trust in him. And he lets Moses know, if you read in the chapter prior, and even in Exodus 20, that, hey, I want, I want, to, I want to come to the people I'm going to come around Mount Sinai, and I want to actually come to these people, and I want to speak to them. And that's where we find ourselves in Exodus 20, and it'll be up on the screen if you want to follow it along, but it's Exodus 20, uh, verse 18 and 21, and watch the response of these people, because you would do the same thing, all right? Watch it. Exodus 20, verse 18, it says, when the people saw the thunder and lightning, and heard the trumpet, and saw the mountain in smoke, they trembled with fear. They stayed at a distance and said to Moses, speak to us yourself and we will listen, but do not have God speak to us or we will die. We will surely die. So Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. And the people remained at a distance while Moses approached the thick darkness where God was. There's a lot in just a few verses. But I think one thing we could all agree on within this passage is that we would all be scared too. God shows up on the scene. There's lightning. There's thunder. There's smoke. Sinai, I mean, there's smoke coming down. It is an incredible, incredible scene. And it says here in this passage that the people trembled because Almighty God Himself is showing up onto the scene. This isn't talk anymore. This is God Himself showing up. And Moses, what he's trying to get to when he says this do not be afraid because God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you. What are they saying? Moses is letting them know, man, the Ten Commandments that that have just been given to you, this way forward that God has given you as a people, you need to take it very, very seriously. That's what it was talking about when he's saying, do not be afraid because God has come to test you. And Moses is saying, we need to understand the significance of the situation that we are in. That our God has called us out. He's calling us to a new standard of life. And not only to become a nation, but actually his nation, which is incredible in and of itself. And he's calling us to do life differently. Why? So we can be a light to the world. So we can be his people. So we can be his people on mission. So I'm going to give you the Ten Commandments, he says. Not only to guide you, but so that you will be set apart and the testing part is you've got to take this seriously. This is Almighty God coming to you. So we read this and we think, well, they are just to be fearful of God. No, he's saying to be in fear, to have a respect for, to be in awe of who God is. Not an actual fear of God, but it's how the people took it. And they were incredibly fearful of God in this moment. And rightfully so, I would have been too. Lightning and thunder and the smoke and God's going to speak. Here's the thing. We see this narrative play out in our own life, maybe in a little bit different way, all the time, if we're not careful. Think of it this way, that if you are called to something, you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God is calling you to something that there's something in your life that maybe you know needs to change, or maybe an area where you just want to control it, you know? It's like, God, I'll take care of this, and I'll see you Sunday, you know, that kind of thing. In those moments, we want to distance ourselves from God. God, you stay over there. I'll be right here. I'll call you if I need you, you know, that kind of mindset. And it's what we do all the time that we have this idea that God is calling us to something greater and it's human nature, and psychologists have written about it for years. You could go find whole books, whole scholarly studies on it. That it's human nature for us to have an aversion to change. That when God's calling us to something greater, or just something, a physical move in our life, or any change at all, we have an aversion to change. And it's natural. It's almost like a survival mechanism for us. Those of you that have pets, if you are about to change the environment they are in, what happens? They get a little weird, a little squirmy, they won't eat. If our dogs see the suitcases come out, they know we're leaving and they get sad and weird about it because they know there's some change coming their way and it's just natural. It's it's human instinct, it's animal instinct to, to jump into survival mode. We are hardwired that way. We're hardwired to have an aversion to change, big and small. So what's that mean for us, and even for the Israelites, that we have a, a tendency to want sameness. We want the familiar. We want to, to go back to the easy, to the way that we've always known, you know. And even more so, it's, it, it plays in the intuitive things of our life. Those everyday activity, those everyday tasks that come our way, we want familiar, we want the normal, we want consistency. That if you were to wake up today and your spouse pulled this one on you and you went to your sock drawer and all of a sudden it turned into a pantry and there's beans and soup and and spaghetti sauce in it, it would throw you completely off, wouldn't it? And you'd be mad if you went out to get the coffee and somebody moved the coffee pot to the garage, like the little things in our life, we can point at those. But it proves the point that those little things in our life, we want familiarity, we want sameness. We are creatures of habit. And the Israelites were no different, no different than us. The same is true of our emotional well-being. And the same was true for them. It's why there's emotion in the Bible. We see that they feared God in that moment. The same is so true for us. What is the number one thing that of a reason why we won't change or we won't step out and we won't do something is because we have a fear of failure. We have a fear of, if I do this and I fail, I'm going to look silly, everybody's going to point, I don't have the abilities, I don't have the education, I can't do it. And so when we are confronted with our weaknesses, when we're confronted with with, with moments in our lives where we, we have a fear of failure, We will not actually step out into the opportunities that God has for us because of fear. Because of a fear of failure. I've even watched this in the church. We won't even step out, even if we have an incredible giftedness in an area. There's been people that have robbed the body of Christ. They're gifted in an area, but they're unwilling to step out because fear has paralyzed them. Or they're unwilling to step out and do the great thing that God's called them to do because they're, they're scared of the change they may have to make in order to fulfill whatever God's called them to do. When I met with Jeff and Amy Lane and just heard their story about going from you know practicing here in Dayton to God nudging their heart to going to the bungalow hospital, I mean, just it's mind-blowing to me. For someone to say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to die to self and I'm going to follow what Christ is calling me to do. Now, he's not all going to call us all to Africa. But in your own life, God is at work, but we want emotional security. We want the ability uh, to, to not have to change so things can stay consistent and familiar. And you know what one of the number one things that hold people back from diving into a walk with Christ it's because they think and know that they're going to have to change and they have an aversion to change they know that God is going to call them to another standard i still like doing this i still like thinking this i still like being a part of this i don't want to leave it and we create in ourselves and in those that are not in the church that have an aversion to change to almighty god himself because when you enter into a relationship with Christ, He doesn't He doesn't leave you there. He wants you He wants you to, to keep you know staying in the sanctification process, that, that process of becoming more like Him. And He says, You need to make some changes in your life. And you need to you need to choose a different path for your life. I have something different for you. And it's often in the transitions of life, in transit, the Series theme that we are often the most resistant to change because we want sameness. What's God call us to as you read throughout Scripture? And this is just a short list of many. But He calls us to think differently, He calls us to, to, to do what? To take every thought captive, to not conform to this world. We need to think differently as Christ followers. He he calls us to see the world differently. As we begin to grow in our walk with him, uh, we should have a heart that breaks for the things that break his heart. We should be able to look around our community and say, man, that is an injustice that our God in heaven would never stand for. And as a church, what can we do to step in and not only just fill the gap, we don't need people to fill the gap, but bring hope and bring life to this. He calls us to, to make decisions differently, to, to maybe be as wise as a serpent and gentle as a dove. That as we walk through life, we need to pause before the big decision, take it to him, take it to wise counsel, and say, God, are you, are you in this? Most of us, we just make decisions and hope, hope for the best, you know? He calls us to something different. He calls us to be different in this world and we read in the Bible that he says, while we're in this world, we're not what? We're not of it. He wants us to be different. He wants us to move beyond selfish ambition. That causes for a change in us, because most of us, were are innately selfish. It's our carnal side. We want it our way, you know. But he says we need to move away from that. And he says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, Paul says in Philippians. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Go read Matthew 10 today as Jesus calls him out and he sends his his men out to share the incredible gospel message with the world. And here's what it says. It says, Jesus says, I'm sending you out like a sheep among wolves. I mean, I'll go to church. I'll sing a song and like hear a couple scriptures, but sending me out like a sheep among wolves? No. You know, I don't want to do that. It calls us to a brand new Standard and that sheep among wolves that that we may not be welcome everywhere we go threatens our survival. So we have an aversion to that change in our life. And He calls His people to love people different than you. He calls us as a church to, to serve people that can do nothing in return for you. And I would even take it to another level where you never get noticed for it and you never boast. Or brag about it, and maybe no one ever knows that you actually even did it. This doesn't come natural to us, but God has called us to it. And as humans, we have real fears, real fears of even change. And at times, you can probably point back to when you went into survival mode in your life, and you lived life with a survival mentality. And here's the deal. And what it means for us today. That there's going to be moments in this life that you're going to be challenged over and over again to move from here to here. Because God is calling you to do so. But while we're here, if you're like me, I come up with every excuse. I quit praying. I quit reading my Bible. I quit doing everything because I really don't want Him to speak to me to tell me to go here. But there's moments There's moments where he's going to call you to step over the line, to continually make changes, not only in your personal life, but us corporately as a body that we're afraid of. And maybe we don't even like it in the moment. But if God has called us to it, just like he's called the Israelites to the great call of their life, in big and small transitions, even if it's scary, we must step over the line. And we must, as the Bible teaches us, die to ourselves and be willing to follow him. What's God really asking the Israelites? He's like, do I have your attention? Are you really going to dive in? Are you really going to trust me? We could ask ourselves the same questions today. Does God really, 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 really have your attention? Are you really trusting him in all those areas of your life? Are you ready to dive in? Are you ready to dive into what he's called you to? Because if God's calling us to do something or to change something or to go even somewhere and it's for our good and we know that he's calling us to do it, even if we don't like it, even if we're afraid of it, our natural tendency is to say, well, I'm going to avoid God in this moment because I'm not sure I'm ready for that. And the Israelites were doing this exact thing. God was calling them. He was confronting them. He was speaking directly to them. This new standard of living. I want you to go from here to here. And I want to lay an incredible foundation because church, you're going to be the light of the world. He's letting them know. And their response was fear. And as a church and as a community, I hope with everything in us, that we are a body that when somebody is teeter-tottering over the line, they're not sure if they should go all in or not. That we would be a church in love that encourages and that spurs on one another to dive all in. And to say, God, your mission's way bigger than mine. And I want to be willing to dive all in and follow it. Hebrews 10.24 says it this way. It says, And let, let us consider how we must, may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. That in moments where we are facing challenging times, I've mentioned it a couple times the last couple weeks, we need to lean in to someone else that maybe has a, a greater faith in that moment so that they can encourage, they, they can spur us on towards love and good deeds and follow in to what God is calling us to do. We need to encourage one another to step out, to say yes to whatever the mission God's called you to, not only personally but this church corporately. And our answer to him as you speak, and my answer is always yes, God. Whatever you've called me to, I'm ready to do it. That is Christ's followers. We need to embrace change. That when God is at work with us spiritually, don't keep elbowing him away. That when God is at work with you relationally, with other people around you, don't give him the elbow. But be willing to, to, to listen to his calling and change if he's calling you to do so. And here's the thing, just like we said last week, God did not lead the Israelites out into the wilderness to abandon them and say, well, good luck. You know, you screwed up, so here you go. God will not lead you out into a dark time or a wilderness to leave you either. God will never be absent from you. The last little part I want to share with you and Exodus 20 in this story is this, is that there's lightning and smoke and thunder and the whole deal's going on. And it's this idea that that God dwells in the darkness. Did they feel like God was scary and maybe even absent throughout much of their years? Yes, they did. But God was dwelling in the darkness. And here's the toughest part for you, and for me, and for the Israelites, and I mentioned it earlier, it's, it's just taking the first step. It's just saying yes, and being actually willing to take the first step. And really, it's taking a step into the unknown. I know some of the hardest moments in my journey, and probably with you as well, was just taking the plunge was God saying, hey, I've got something for you, and you need to go do it. This week, we, we had our first UD football chapel yesterday, and uh, had a friend of mine from Athletes in Action come and share before the team. I always try to introduce myself to the team, be like, hi, I'm Kedrick, just so that, because the freshmen don't know me, and transfers or any of that. So we had our first chapel yesterday, and they won. Every time I do a chapel, they win, so there's something to it. I don't know, uh, but we'll figure that out later. But long story short, I had him step in. I said, you go up and do it. And I could tell he was sweating bullets uh, because he wasn't real sure that he was capable of getting in front of this team and sharing. And we were just small talking about practice as we got there early. And I, he just wasn't responding, you know, and you just knew he was nervous and fearful. And, and the whole time, I knew what I was talking about this Sunday to you all. And my prayer was him, God, help him to take the first step. Help him to take the plunge. Be with him as he steps before this team. And when he walked away from sharing with them, it was like he was a new man. Because God had called him to something. He had never spoken in front of a team before. And he actually stepped out and did it. And it wasn't as scary as he thought. And God did a work in that moment. And you will discover the same thing. God, I'm not sure I should do it. I shouldn't make the call. What if they don't respond? I can't go there. Every excuse possible. And God's saying, remove those. Trust in me. And take the step. And what you're going to discover is in the darkness, just like the Israelites, I'm actually there. And I'm waiting for you there. I want you to step out into this. If God's tugging at your heart today, and he can tug at your heart for a few weeks, he can tug at your heart for a few months, sometimes I've heard stories of where God tugged at someone's heart for years and maybe even decades, that I'm calling you to something greater. And if you still have a breath in your lungs, God wants to call you to something greater. And if you're at that spot today, and God wants you to do it, let me ask you if this would help. What if you knew he was on the other side? And as you stepped into that unknown, that darkness, he was there to grab your hand, and he was there to walk with you through it. And he would say, I've got your back, I'm with you, trust me. Would that change your response? to whatever it is that he's calling you to. I know some of my darkest times as a Christian, some of the times where it felt hopeless, and it's like, I don't know what's next in our life. It's those moments that I look back in now, and that when I embraced them, they were some of my finest hours as a Christ follower. So the story could be true for you as well. If God is calling you out today, step out. Step out into the darkness. Have faith. As a church, let's embrace it. Let's call each other to a place where we encourage and spur one another on to step out and do what he's called us to do because if God has called you, you've probably heard this before, he's going to equip you. We get so fearful about I'm not qualified. Well, nobody's qualified, you know? And if God has called you, if God has called us as a church to go do something, and I know he has, he's going to equip us to do and I want to close with this story before we take communion. Heard this story many years ago and it's uh, it a story that took back, place back in the 70s and it was a pastor and his family. Uh, this pastor woke up in the middle of the night one night to the smell of smoke in his house. And this is a real true story. So in panic he grabbed his wife and let her know what was going on, woke her up out of a sleep, which who likes that, you know, and and he went to grab his two children. He had a son and a daughter. And he rushed them out of the house as fast as he could, only to look back and see the whole house was just engulfed in flames. Moments later, he looks around and realizes that uh, he sees his daughter and his wife, but he can't find his son anywhere. And he, he was panicked, so he ran around the house. Maybe he, when he came out, he took off towards the woods line or he ran another way or went towards you know, the neighbor's house. I don't know. And after he ran around looking for his son, calling out his name, he realized he's not out. He's not out of the house. Imagine the panic that would set in in that moment. It would be excruciating. So he ran around to his son's bedroom and looked up in the second story window, and it's about 15 feet up. The whole bottom of the house is on fire, smoke's coming up, flames. And as he looked into the room, he said that his son's bedroom, window open, flames are just, just coming everywhere. And he didn't know what to do. And he said moments after that, he saw his son's silhouette in that bedroom. Could you imagine that moment? So he, he, he ran over to his son and all he could hear was his son saying, Daddy, Daddy, help me, you know. So his, the father ran over to his son and, and looked up at him and said, Son, I'm down here. Just, just jump. And his son replied back to him, But I can't see you. And then he realized that he's asking his son, Six-year-old boy, To jump out of a window into darkness where he has no idea, No idea at all where his dad is. The pastor goes on to share the story, and he said that he looked up at his son one more time, and he wasn't sure he was going to jump at all. Flames are everywhere, the house is engulfed. And he said, Son, you need to jump. He said, I know you can't see me, but I can see you. If you jump, I will catch you. And the story has a happy ending, because he actually did jump right after that, and, and the dad caught his son. I think God may be calling some of us today to jump. That all around us, what God offers, we're in a blazing fire. We need to get out. There's moments we're terrified and afraid and I'm not sure I can jump. We cry out to Him saying, I don't know what's next. I can't jump out the window. Are you going to catch me? How do I know it's the right thing? You know." And God, I promise is looking up at you if he's calling you to something and he says I know you can't see me but child know I can see you just jump could you imagine throughout your life if every single time you had that little nudging from God big or small doesn't have to be going to Africa God bless them for doing it every single time he nudged you that to jump, imagine throughout your entire life, every single time that ha- you did it. Can you picture as a church that every single time God would nudge us as individuals and as in a church over these coming weeks, months, we would change the world? And I mean that with everything in me, that God's saying to you today, to jump, to take a faith-filled jump. If you've got a friend or a family member that's right on the edge, you're not sure whether they should jump, as a church, as a Christ follower, come alongside them, encourage them, nudge them, help them, spur them on. Or maybe today, maybe the most important decision you've ever made in your life will be to jump into a personal relationship with Him.